With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, I'm happy to be back. It was uh, obviously really tough not being around, and, uh, you know, that whole process was really tough, so I'm ecstatic to be back. I think that he's handled it exactly as we would have wanted him to kind of the the suspension part that might have been the hardest when he wasn't wasn't even here for the receivers for everybody and then the the next part of it which was not in the games but he could come to practice it was good to have him back at practice and and I think that uh, you know he was full speed into preparation full speed into practicing with the guys and then did what he was supposed to do on game day and then uh, you know now the re-entry will be in total and they'll be good. Just, just what, what you would think it was, you know, a stressful situation, you know, but I brought it on myself. So you you, you move forward and you, you make it right. And welcome here to another edition of the Husker Online Show. As you just heard from wide receivers coach Keith Williams and, and head coach Mike Riley as Keith Williams made his return back to the Nebraska football team as far as being a part of the games. Uh, and that will be this week as it's been a long seven weeks for Keith Williams and um, Sean Callahan here, Robin Washett. And Nate Klaus, as as we get you geared up for Saturday's game against Illinois, Nebraska goes into this game a three-touchdown favorite. But um, I want to get right to you on this one, Nate, because I know you're as close to Keith Williams as anybody. I mean, what do you think over the last seven weeks? Just everything that's gone on with him and, and now having him back, I mean, what what do you think that's done to the program and, and, and what do you think his presence will mean on Saturday? Well, first of all, I think it was – I mean, it was definitely a distraction for – for the team and for coach Riley and everyone as they were preparing to open the season. And, and, you know, obviously he made a terrible decision, a terrible mistake by, by doing what he did. And, um, you know, and that was, it brought a lot of unnecessary, um, you know, decision, hard, hard decisions that Mike Riley had to make. And, and a lot of, um, you know, a lot of criticism, I guess, towards the program on, on how they were handling it. And it was all pretty much unnecessary as they were preparing to open the season. And plus, you know, it was kind of embarrassing for, for Keith Williams. Uh, I mean, there was probably no one that felt worse about what he did than, than Keith. And, um, and I know that, uh, you know, he, he had to, to kind of suck it up and, and own his mistakes and, and go in front of the team and go in front of the media and, and, and really go in front of the entire state of Nebraska and ask for forgiveness and, and uh, you know, admit his wrongdoings and everything. So uh, this has been a tough, tough, you know, month or so for him, tough six weeks for him, and especially for, the, you know, these last four games when he hasn't been able to, to be out there um, at the games and, you know, he missed a couple of weeks of, of practice and everything. So, uh, but having him return, I think, will be a good thing for this team and maybe even a little bit of a, a shot in the arm on, on the sidelines. You know, I, we all know there's no one that brings more energy to practice or, or to anything that he does than, than Keith Williams. And uh, so I think that'll be good. Um, he's, he's, 
he's truly loved by all of his players and, and really everybody on that team and, and even the coaching staff. So uh, I think it, his return is definitely welcomed. Um, and, and I know that he is, is definitely one of those guys that, you know, would like to, um, you know, I guess put all this behind him. Yeah, and just talk, you know, listening to him on Tuesday or uh, on Wednesday, sorry, he, he was, you know, sincerely humbled, I think, by all this. Obviously, this was the first time we've gotten a chance to talk with him on record since he gave that statement, you know, shortly after his arrest, after the suspension was announced. And, um, you know, I think that this process has really been uh, about as uh, hard of a life lesson as he's had to learn in a while. Um, you know, obviously, he's made this mistake in the past. But never, I don't think, the consequences were quite at this level. I mean, not only legally, but, um, you know, with being in the public eye that you are in Nebraska, I mean, that, that, was a, that was a truly humbling experience for him. And that was kind of the message I think he tried to convey, um, you know, when asked what this process meant for him. You know, there were moments when, you know, he's by himself in his office watching his team go out there and play, and there's nothing he can do or say to the guys until, uh, you know, the, the, the game's over. And then... He flies out to Northwestern, and as the team boards the bus to go to the stadium, he's headed back to the airport and watching the game uh, on his iPad at the Chicago airport. And, and I mean, those types of things um, are about as difficult of a thing a coach could go through, in my opinion. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, the good news is he appears to have really learned from this. You know, he said his message to the players, um, you know, after this was, uh, you, you're responsible for every decision you make. And I truly believe that he's learned this. And, you know, hopefully, you know, this is the, the, the moment and kind of the, the breaking point that, uh, you know, he finally does, you know, learn from this and becomes a better person because of it. And, you know, from all indications that we've heard from him and his coaches, fellow coaches and his uh, players, uh, that seems to be the case. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus as we get you geared up for Saturday's 2.30 game against Illinois. Nebraska comes in 4-0. and uh, They got a big victory on the road last week at Northwestern. Uh, 24 to 13 really easily could have been 38 uh, to 13 as Nebraska squandered two touchdowns uh, as they fumbled them through the end zone on the one yard line. But uh, you look at what's ahead, guys. I mean, Nebraska 4-0, 21 point favorites against Illinois uh, by week. Then they'll play at Indiana where you'd expect Nebraska to be a favorite. And then there'll be a big favorite at home uh, the following week on the 22nd uh, against Purdue. Um I think, guys, anything less to me than 7-0 and going into the Wisconsin game on October 29th is going to be a disappointment. And Nebraska's 15th in the rankings, Robin. Um, they haven't really been that high since 2014 when they got up to 8-1 and as a record. Uh, but, you know, I, I think they've got to not only win, but they've got to show some promise. That was what was different to me about 2014. They got to 8-1, and but nobody had confidence in that 8-1 and record. Yeah. And they went out to Wisconsin and got rolled. Uh, it kind of has that feel to me of 2014 where they could get up to a great record, but they still need to, be, to prove it and look good as well. Yeah, and I think nationally that's kind of the opinion too. You know, obviously people around the country starting to take notice of Nebraska getting back into the top 15, being 4-0, but – you know, I think most would argue they should have won these first four games. You know, even the Oregon game, uh, they were favorites in that. And so, uh, it, while this is a nice start, you know, I think that Nebraska still has a lot more that needs to be proved before 
uh, you know, it can truly be, you know, considered one of the elite teams in college football. And, uh, you know, you look at this next stretch. Yeah, I agree. This is something they should take care of business handily. I mean, they got Illinois, uh, three touchdown favorites. You got to go in there, down there and uh, dominate that game. Then you get a bye, finally get a chance to get healthy and go into Indiana, who, yeah, they can score points, but they lost so much talent from a year ago offensively that they're not the same team. I don't think they're nearly as dangerous as they were um, on the offensive side of the ball. So, yeah, you should go into Bloomington and win that game. Purdue is Purdue. They're terrible. They should win that game convincingly. And so, yeah, 7-0 and I think is by far uh, your bare minimum standard of what you want out of this next month. And then you go into Wisconsin. They're going to be coming off the heels of one of the most brutal conference scheduling stretches that I personally can remember. And so they're going to be beat up, uh, probably demoralized in some of those games. And so that, that's a real opportunity for Nebraska. to. I wouldn't say go. demoralized about Wisconsin. I mean, that, that I think that team is better than people are saying. I'm just saying by the end of that, though, I, I guess if they they win out, then you're looking at a whole different ball game. But they're in the playoff discussion. Yeah, no that. doubt. So. I don't know. I, I got to believe that before I see it. Um, but still, it, again, there's a chance that they could be, uh, you know, beat up a little bit, and Nebraska could have an opportunity to win there. All right. Well, we have a full show on tap here as uh, we're going to get you geared up here for the Nebraska versus Illinois game as the Huskers will play at 2:30. We'll talk offensive and defensive storylines, and then we'll take your questions in the mailbag as Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson will join us, and then we'll close the show with Nate Klaus as we always do. As the Huskers will have another big recruiting weekend. Multiple five and four star guys uh, will be in it, even probably rivals what Hus the Huskers have had in for games like the Fresno State weekend, as far as the number of top line visitors that will be in Lincoln. So, lots to discuss here as we get you geared up for Saturday's Nebraska Illinois game. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We're getting, we're getting kind of thin there. We've lost two scout team players, as a matter of fact. Our offensive line depth right now is not great. If one injury were to happen on your line this week, what's your plan B as far Cole, as... Cole Conrad's got to be ready to go. Tackle and guard for him. And center everywhere. He's, so the, he's the next guy up, so... So you'll definitely want to keep the red shirt on any of those freshmen. Try. So Conrad snaps at center, so he's a... He's, he's played center guard tackle, so <laughs> he's played everywhere. And that about sums up the offensive line situation going into this week. I mean, I consider me and our staff, we, we know kind of the personnel and what's going on. And the fact that Cole Conrad goes into this game as Nebraska's Swiss Army knife backup at the guard, center, and tackle position um, is awfully scary. Hi, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we bring you back as Nebraska gets ready for Illinois. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus, and you, you heard Mike Riley, you heard Mike Cavanaugh, uh, but Robin, that, that line situation, just for at least this week until Tanner Farmer gets back, they cannot afford an injury. This coaching staff is going to be holding its breath on every single offensive play and hoping that that starting five on the offensive line all gets up and goes back to the huddle because uh, they cannot afford another injury. I mean, no no knock against Cole Conrad, but uh, you, that's a situation you just don't even want to get into uh, if you're, you're Nebraska staff, Mike Riley, Danny Langsdorf. And, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of the situation you're in. You know, it was funny. We were talking about, you know, they actually have some, some good young depth coming up going into the season. Well, when you lose – 
two starters and then uh, one of your top backups, and then all of a sudden you're kind of left with uh, you know bare bones situation here. So uh, I'm really curious to see if if those five can can make it through. And this is going to be one of those deals where. If you get hurt, you better make sure it's like a, a broken leg. leg yeah, you're going to get amputated on the sideline if you're going to miss any snaps if you're one of those starters. Well, and the problem here is that they're facing the best defensive line that they've seen all year long. I mean, the Illinois' defensive front, according to Kavanaugh and Mike Riley and everybody else, is the most athletic and and the I mean the the biggest baddest group that they've seen so far. So yeah, they're they're definitely going to be holding their breath and hoping that they get through this game healthy um, and they can add a little bit of depth going forward after the bye week. You know what's disappointing though, guys, is you've got players like Dwayne Johnson, uh, Zach Hannon, you know, veteran upperclassmen guys that man. I mean, everybody in the world is injured, and these guys still aren't even in the conversation. So uh, I think it just speaks to the situation on the O-line when um, your upperclassmen players right now are very limited, and uh, you want to keep the red shirts on those true freshmen. Because I have no question that Bo Wilson and, and Zach or Matt Farniak are better options than Cole Conrad, but they would rather sit on them because – this is a short-term thing. It's get through the bye week, and then you're back to at least having six bodies available. Now, Sean, I want to ask you about this. I realize that they're redshirt freshmen, and so, I mean, there's obviously still very green, but why isn't a Michael Decker in the conversation as the top backup center? You know, why isn't Christian Gaylord in the mix there? I mean, obviously he's probably more of a tackle, but, you know, if Cole Conrad's also your top tackle, I mean, what what happened to those guys that, you know, they're getting passed up by some walk-on that, you know, no one even really heard about? Well, this is all we know about Michael Decker. He had a great spring uh, but he was not with the team for portions of this summer, kind of dealing with the personal thing. And um, since he came back, you know, he had a very, very fa- uh, quiet fall camp. We didn't really notice a lot of Decker, um, and that was coming off a of spring. So that Paul Thurston loss has been pretty big, uh, not having him around, because Paul Thurston could really help the depth at guard and center right now. Um, and then you mentioned Gaylord. I-, I think personally it's a toughness issue. From what I've seen and heard, he just needs to get meaner, tougher. Um, he had some shoulder issues too, um, but I have never really heard his name mentioned much, Nate, as the season started up. Yeah, I haven't really either. He's been very quiet, kind of under the radar guy. And, and this is what we know about Mike Cavanaugh is you don't have to be the most physically gifted guy, but if you play hard and you are a tough guy out there, um, a blue-collar player, you're going to find your way on the field somehow, some way. And, and, and when a guy goes down, you're going to be in line to, to be one of those guys to step up. And, and when, when some guys like Zach Hannon and, and Christian Gaylord aren't in the, in the conversation to be one of those guys to step up, I, I think that just kind of speaks to, to how, what their play is and, and where they're at right now in, in Mike Cavanaugh's eyes. Yeah, we also haven't even talked about Jalen Barnett. What does this say about him? I mean, this was a guy that was one of the most highly uh, acclaimed players uh, in his class when he came in here. And Will Shields is high school. Kavanaugh, yeah. Kavanaugh had the connections down there. Something, something's going on there. I mean, to the fact that you're already getting beat out, you know, at your own position by a walk-on. I mean, that, that that's that's kind of a Cole scary Conrad thing. didn't have 
options that I mean his no. I mean he was like NAIA or walk on at Nebraska. I mean this was not even kind of a, unbelievable. Well, the deal with Jalen Barnett, I think from people I've talked to is that Jalen Barnett is essentially in the same boat as where Tanner Farmer was a year ago. A guy with a ton of potential but overweight. Yeah, is is, is overweight, hasn't quite put it all together. The light hasn't come on necessarily and and we've seen flashes from Jalen Barnett. I, I think there were times during fall camp even where he looked good and and looked like he could be you know kind of making that push or maybe that light was coming on but I just, from everything I've heard it hasn't all come together for him yet you're listening here to the Husker online show as we talk offensive storylines getting you geared up for Saturday's Nebraska Illinois game it's a 2:30 kickoff on ESPN2 and this offense in general um, really has turned the page I think from a year ago and it starts with Tommy Armstrong guys 132 rushing yards on Saturday uh, that was his uh, career best numbers uh, 13 attempts I believe is what he finished with uh, but he completed over 60 percent of his passes no interceptions in fact Tommy Armstrong has only thrown one pick over his last five games dating back to last year's Foster Farms Bowl and you compare that to the previous 12 he threw a nation leading 16 interceptions Robin I mean Tommy Armstrong has really been the difference it's been incredible the turnaround he's made from you know the quarterback he was over the first two seasons of his career to where he is now I mean for sophomore and junior season he had 28 interceptions and was throwing a pick one out of 20 every 26.7 pass attempts this year he has one pick in 106 attempts uh, I mean so there's a lot of reasons for that improvement obviously the coaching staff has done a great job of taking him out of those situations where you know maybe he would get into panic mode and chuck the yellow ball downfield and throw into double coverage and you know just kind of force a turnover uh but also you got to give him credit too for better decision making i mean he's utilizing his checkdowns more than he ever has in his entire career he's taking off and running he's throwing the ball away uh those are the types of things that keep drives alive and you know put your uh, keep your defense out of terrible situations and so uh credit goes all the way around for really making this you know one of the better turnarounds of this entire offense yeah i think tommy armstrong was already a difficult player to kind of scheme against and, and to defend for for defensive coordinators and now you factor in the fact that that he's making good decisions and, and being careful with the ball and uh, that makes Nebraska so much more dangerous on, on offense and, and we've seen it so far and I know JT Barrett's going to be hard to unseat as the Big Ten player of the year but Tommy Armstrong is being talked about as a dark horse name in that conversation with JT Barrett um, and if he could be even just second team all Big Ten quarterback which Today, right now, I think he would yeah, be. He'd, he'd get my vote for second team. You know, C.J. Beathard started out hot, but um, they just lost their best receiver. He struggled the last few weeks. Um, clearly, at Rutgers, only winning 14-7 to against a really bad Rutgers team. So, I think Tommy, you know, is right in the conversation uh, to have, you know, a big-time year. And, and this little stretch here, uh, we talked about in the last segment with Purdue and Illinois and, and um, Indiana, I mean, they could really make some noise against teams that don't have very good defenses. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the table is set for Tommy to make this kind of his defining legacy season. And so far, he's done exactly that. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift over to defensive storylines. Lovey Smith, the former great defensive mind of the Chicago Bears, will come into Lincoln uh, with Illinois, also former Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach. We'll discuss Lovey Smith's potential impact at Illinois and some other thoughts next year. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. A guy who leads his team to to a, a Super Bowl as well as 
as well as to the playoffs is kind of is, is it's one of those that's enough said you know there's a lot of guys who've been in the NFL head coaching wise who haven't been to the Super Bowl and he he did it in a short period of time so that kind of uh, talks to his acumen as a football coach. Yeah, they're you know just like his team now, well coached and and, and uh, you know a tough team and, and you know I don't know if you've seen them all, but their offensive line is gigantic and and uh, so we're gonna have our, uh, work cut out for us. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. You just heard from secondary coach Brian Stewart and defensive line coach John Perella as they spoke about uh, new Illinois head coach Lovey Smith, former head coach of the Chicago Bears, took the Bears to the Super Bowl and then uh, was fired um, controversially at Tampa Bay after what was it an eight and eight season or seven and nine season and. Uh, they fired Lovey Smith, which was a shocker to a lot of guys, including Levante David, who was not happy. I remember when that happened. But nonetheless, he's now in Champaign. Um, he's bringing in a star-studded staff. They are going to recruit Illinois. They're going to recruit Chicago, St. Louis very hard. And um, right now, I think everybody knows this is going to be a team that struggles. But um, I think the big picture, Nate, particularly in recruiting about Lovey Smith and what he's going to bring um, – particularly in St. Louis and Chicago, uh, could be something to watch. Yeah, those are two areas that uh, they obviously need to focus on, and they have so far. They've, they've uh, you know, put a lot of resources into to recruiting those places, and especially the St. Louis area. I know that they had multiple satellite camps in the area, um, you know, this past summer, and and that's typically, you know, you'll see a school that has one satellite camp in in, in a certain area, and then goes on to the next. Well, they had three or four satellite camps in, in the city of St. Louis and the you know surrounding areas um, over the summer. And so that kind of speaks to, to the type of places that they're wanting to get after. And, and so far, so good. They, they've made um, their, their pitch to the kids. And I think their resumes out of a lot of the coaches on the staff kind of speaks to a lot of those kids. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we get you geared up for Saturday's 2.30 game with Illinois. And you look, guys, at Nebraska's defense and, you know, they, they held Northwestern to just 13 points on Saturday. So uh, they, they, they had a good game from that perspective. But I still think there have been some, you know, concerns, particularly with the linebacker position. And, you know, I think my the issue I have, Robin, when you look at Nebraska defensively is we had such an expectation level for Nebraska's defense going into this game or going into this season uh, with the linebackers and what their potential was. And they just haven't lived up to it for whatever reason uh, where they've kind of taken over games and, and, and really played with that edge that I think we all know they could play with. Yeah, it's been quiet, uh, kind of, which is a bit surprising considering how much talent and experience and depth they returned. But, uh, you know, still, I think, I think five linebackers in the team's top 12 leading tacklers, um, you know, I guess, you know, Banderas and, uh, Rose Ivy and Newby have been been okay, but yeah, there really hasn't been that you know complete shutdown performance yet that we've seen, um, you know, from that front seven. And you know, there there've been flashes certainly, you know, a couple tackles for losses where you're like, whoa, that, that's what I'm talking about. But uh, it hasn't been there seemingly for full four full quarters, especially over the last two games. You know, the run defense has really been an issue. Uh, teams have been able to get to the edge. Uh, on these linebackers and that's kind of their number one responsibilities is to, to keep things inside and uh, they really haven't done it very well yeah the angles that they've taken have, have been kind of questionable I think at times and and the tackling has been questionable at times as well so um, you know but the good thing is I think is those are areas that can be cleaned up and and uh, you know obviously being addressed I know Trent Bray is is not happy with their play and has been critical with those guys and they've been critical on themselves they they know what's wrong and and what they need to address so um 
uh, the, the talent is there. I just need to all put it together. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we get you ready for Saturday's Nebraska-Illinois game. This segment here on the Husker Online Show is brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill with five locations in Omaha, soon to be two here in Lincoln. Tanner's is your destination to watch football uh, both Saturdays and Sundays as uh, they will have the Husker game on at 2.30, and then uh, all of your NFL action will be on on Sunday. So make sure you check out both Tanner's in Omaha and Lincoln uh, at one of their many locations. And you, you, you look, guys, the one area I think that has played well on this Husker defense has been the secondary. I think that has been maybe one of the bigger, not surprises, uh, but bright spots. Uh, Brian Stewart threw out this great stat about Chris Jones. One out of every four balls thrown his way this year has been either an interception or a knockdown. This group has now nine interceptions through four games. A year ago, they had 10 and 13 games. Uh, this has been a night and day not makeover, but just transformation, I think, with some of these guys where uh, their confidence is at a high level. And they made plays on Saturday. You know, I thought the interception at the end of the game by Kalu uh, was a big-time play, Robin. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been across the board. I mean, every single guy, uh, you know, we talked about the two corners, Kalu and Jones have been playing out of their minds. Nate Geary has been fantastic this year. And then maybe the biggest concern going into the year was out of their safety spot. Aaron Williams and Kyron Williams have been phenomenal. Kyron Williams leads the team in tackles right now. He's got two picks and a touchdown. Uh, I mean, that, that's as well as I think anyone could have imagined uh, they'd fill that role. So uh, it's really just been an all-around, across-the-board improvement. And a lot of credit not only goes to Brian Stewart, but to Mark Banker as well. I mean, keep in mind, this year he switched to really uh, kind of getting a direct hands-on coaching with the safeties, which allowed, uh, obviously, him to get more one-on-one -on -one instruction with those guys, but Brian Stewart to also get more one-on-one -on -one stuff with the corners. So uh, I think that has really helped make this the, the maybe one of the biggest 180s on the entire team uh, as far as just drastic improvement from a year ago. So certainly uh, one of the most promising things we've seen from this team through the first four games. And I think um, Chris Jones kind of put it best when he said last year they were they were spending so much time and energy learning the defense and, and trying to become comfortable back there. Now they are comfortable and confident, and they're able to actually put their apply the technique that they've been coached uh, there to the the schemes, and and that's what's really helped them kind of make plays on the ball and, and feel comfortable. And you mentioned that coaching change, you know, kind of splitting up the the two position groups. I think every kid, uh, whether they're a corner or safety. Would say that that's been helpful. One more note on Chris Jones and Nate Geary on Thursday morning. They were both named to the ProFootballFocus.com's early All-American team on defense. If you're not familiar with Pro Football Focus, they're regarded as one of the better uh, football analytical sites that really kind of delve into the stats and give you know specific grades each and every week. And they love Nebraska. They do. They site. do. Well, and they've deserved it. I mean, they mentioned Chris Jones, two picks, two passes defended on 23 targets this year, and he's yet to miss a tackle all season. Uh, Nate Geary uh, just had the nation's top coverage grade with a 92.1 uh, over, over the course of the first four games, and he's made all but one of his 26 tackle attempts. So uh, really just impressive stuff right That's there. That's a big – the tackle one on Geary is huge because he struggled – um, with that open field tackling, particularly a year ago. And they note that. They say he's done a fine job of cutting down on the missed tackles that plagued him in the past. And, I mean, when you miss or when you make 26 out of your 27 tackle attempts, that's pretty darn good. Now, this week, Illinois, as you're listening here to the Husker Online Show, uh, they'll come in with a veteran quarterback, Wes Lunt. But uh, talking to Doug Bashone of orangeandbluenews.com, uh, don't be fooled by Wes Lunt's numbers. He's only thrown one interception, uh, but he has struggled. Um, 
He kind of takes the safe way out a lot um, instead of maybe making not necessarily a risky throw, but just a throw in a window. Um, he'll just throw it away or or put ball on the ground. And um, I think there's some concern on the Illinois front about Lunt. And don't be surprised if, if he struggles. They pull West Lunt on Saturday, uh, which would be a big statement by Lovey Smith and his staff. But they'll run pro style. They'll run spread. Uh, they kind of do a little bit of everything. And, and this will be a good test. Keyshawn Vaughn's a good running back. And you know this offensive line, as you heard uh, John Perella say, it's a huge unit. Um, and that could give Nebraska's defensive line some problems on Saturday, guys. One thing that's going to be interesting to watch that you know both Mark Banker and I think Trent Bray mentioned earlier this week was they flip their offensive line sometimes depending on the packages. Meaning you know your right and left or your right tackle and right guard will move over to the left side and vice versa depending on what type of play they're going to call. And so that's something that uh, I don't know if it's exactly going over that well, but something to watch and see if Nebraska can maybe exploit that a little bit. All right, when we come back here on the show, we're going to shift over to our mailbag. We will take your questions next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, it wasn't a sympathy thing for sure. Uh, he's earned some playing time, and, and he's a good player. And so with, the, with those three guys and really with Trey, we feel like we have a good group there. And, and uh, so Mikel has kind of worked his way into that position where we're giving him some turns with certain personnel groups. It meant a lot. Like, uh, I appreciate the coaches giving me the opportunity, and uh, I just tried to make the best of my, of my opportunities. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, and Nate Klaus. And now we're joined by Husker Online intern Matt Reynoldson as uh, we get to your questions this week in the weekly mailbag. And out of the gates, you just heard from head coach Mike Riley and uh, sophomore running back Mikael Wilbon, the Chicago native, getting really his first true extensive action, arguably since the BYU season opener a year ago, and uh, had 55 yards. I think some of it had to do with Terrell Newby's fumble that he had, um, you know, they, they gave him that opportunity after that, and uh, he really took advantage of it. Our first question, Matt, has to do with the running backs. Uh, yeah, and uh, Wilbon's really seized that opportunity. So who is our number one back right now, and how many touches will Wilbon see? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I still think it's Newby, just because this staff has been as loyal to Newby as anybody. I mean, you can argue this is a guy that Reggie Davis has stayed behind, but they've been shown to have a quick hook and then they will pull newbie. They will get a feel for the game. And um, I almost still think it's a, a three headed monster. Now. I, I don't know if there is a true number one, Robin. Yeah. I think it's going to be more of the same. I think Terrell's going to start divine's going to play a lot, especially late in games. And uh, based on Mikhail's performance last week, I think they're going to be more inclined to throw some more wrinkles with him in there. And I think they feel a lot better about putting him out there so I think it the only thing that'll change is maybe a few more specific packages to get Mikhail Wilbon involved I agree with you Robin and, and you've been seeing them trying to to work Wilbon into things you know going back to the the Oregon game where where they had that swing pass that, that Tommy kind of uh, you know left out there and and uh, they they gave the ball up there but you, you know they've been working him in and and Reggie Davis said that he has uh, has been a guy that has turned things around from last year and is, is doing the right things on and off the field so he's earned his his carries well guys it's a game week but the beginning of this week didn't really start talking much about football they start talking a lot about Michael Rose Ivy's anthem protest and uh, there's a lot of concern from that in the mailbag about blowback from some of the negative comments uh, Michael Rose Ivy received so how will that affect recruiting 
Well, I think this probably Nate would be the best guy to start out of the gates with this because he deals with the recruiting aspects as much as anybody. Well, yeah, you know, it's not a good thing um, for sure. And there's, I mean, it depends on how how you look at it. Obviously, the comments from some of the fans, the negative comments from some of the fans, are, are going to get a lot more run and traction than than a lot of the support and, and positive feedback. Uh, but and that's and that's not good. Uh, some of the things that people said are pretty darn ugly, and um, and recruits and their parents are going to pay attention to that. But on the other hand, one thing that recruits and their parents are paying attention to is how Mike Riley is supporting. His players and allowing them to um, to have a, a thoughtful, peaceful protest and, and to make a, a point um, if if they do it in the right manner. And and I think the fact that a head coach is supporting his players in that manner and that the team, although not everyone on the team probably agrees with how they went about making their their point, um, they're standing as one and supporting one another. And, and I think that speaks um, you know to a tight knit group and and a good coaching staff in Lincoln too. You're listening here to the Oscar Online show as we take you through the weekly mailbag with Matt Reynolds and as we take your questions off the Red Sea Scrolls what do we have next here Matt well in light of all these events how does the team focus seem this week I, I think it's been pretty good um, you know it's hard to tell because the media has spent so much time dealing with this issue but uh, I've talked to a lot of players a lot of family members of players and um, I, I think the guys will move forward uh, I, I guess the X factor remains Michael Rose Ivy. Like, how much further is he going to take this this week? And um, what will they do? I mean, will they do something crazy out of the tunnel where they lock arms, or will they just make it a normal day at the office? I hope they just make it a normal day at the office and and don't really extend this thing uh, any longer than it needs to. We know the players won't be on the field for the national anthem uh, because it's a home game at Nebraska, and they're they're not out there. And honestly, you guys, it wouldn't surprise me, Robin, if teams around the country in college football go to that model where they keep the players in the locker room, um, then, you know, bring them out after the national anthem is played. Yeah. And I don't know how much more actually needs to be done as far as on the football field. Uh, I think they got their message across. I mean, it is in the forefront of the public uh, conversation, the political conversation, the university conversation. So a uh, mission accomplished on that part. And, you know, I, I remember on Monday, Deshaun Neal said he doesn't really plan on doing it anymore. He's not going to kneel anymore because, you know, then it becomes about him. And so I think that that's kind of uh, maybe the mentality I think that they're going to take. Um, you know, I mean, Michael Rosivi already got his sit down meeting with, you know, Pete Ricketts, the governor set up. So, I mean, I, I think that you don't need to make these protests anymore because you've already advanced the conversation. And in his speech, he said that was his entire goal. He wanted to advance the conversation of what he an issue he felt very strongly about. So uh, I guess like like Deshaun said, I think that if they were to do anything more on game day, then you're kind of uh, maybe losing focus of what this in original protest was all about. I don't think any of this really hurts the team and their preparations. I mean, this is a squad that's already dealt with a lot of adversity um, going back to the Sam Fultz tragedy. Uh, you've had some guys get injured. You've had the Keith Williams incident, which I think was probably, um, you know, maybe a little bit more difficult to uh, to deal with than, than all of this. So I don't I don't foresee this being a big deal in, in the preparations. All right, switching gears to recruiting a little bit. The Fresno State game was hyped as a huge recruiting weekend, and we haven't really seen the impacts of it yet. Do you think we'll see quicker results from this recruiting weekend? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't first. I don't think so. Uh, it, it's possible. Anytime you get kids on campus, it's possible that you see an, an instant uh, recruit, you know, or commit rather, uh, following the game. But I mean, we've been saying this for a long time. The caliber of player that Nebraska's bringing in are, are guys that are coveted by 
in major programs all across the country and, and they're they have a lot of options on the table and they're planning on taking a lot of visits so the i think the seeing the instant or having that instant gratification in the form of commits following a, a big visit weekend is something that nebraska fans need to kind of uh, temper their enthusiasm with a little bit yeah i think everybody has this imagine image of just a giant commit party you know when nebraska plays oregon and they win it's just going to be like this commit fest in the locker room <laughs> that's just not a reality of how it works and usually when these guys take visits they've come up with a process in their mind how they're going to do it their family's involved and they're going to take multiple visits usually um, if you go through the visit process you're going to take more than one trip and for all the guys that came to Oregon and Fresno almost every one of them that was their first trip so um, yeah it, that's just how it works with these guys and um, the big fish uh, take a little bit longer to catch. All right, next question. Biggest areas of concern that would keep this team from going undefeated into the Wisconsin game? Offensive line. I mean, it, we talked about it earlier, earlier in the show, but the depth right now is scary thin. I mean, when Cole Conrad is going into Saturday's game as your backup guard, tackle, and center, wow. I mean, that, that we're talking Big Ten play here, and a guy that was basically a late add-on player to the Shrine Bowl coming out of high school, um, you know, I mean, wasn't a really decorated player is, is in a situation where he's your top backup player. So that really worries me on the offense um, when I look at this game team right now, Robin. Yeah, and bye week couldn't come soon enough. All they got to do is get through Saturday, and I think some of those issues will be resolved. But uh, on the other side of the ball, I'm going to go run defense. Uh, I mean, you look at how you win in the Big Ten, you got to stop the run. And right now, over the past two weeks, they've struggled to do that. I think they're averaging you know 250-some yards and have, have allowed six rushing touchdowns in the past two games, and they can't continue to do that if you want to win in this conference. Nate? Yeah, to me, it's tackling. I mean, we all know that the, the depth along the offensive line is, is pretty thin, but um, I think that tackling is more of a concern in the run game there on defense. And, and um, you know, I think that's something that's correctable, though, so which is, a, which is a good thing. All right, well, that wraps it up here for another edition of the Mailbag. Thanks again to Red Sea Scrolls and Matt Reynoldson. Uh, bringing us the questions each week. Well, they all wanted to know if you can dunk on a ten foot hoop. Can you? <laughs> I cannot. I can touch the rim. I cannot dunk. I. I and Robin has seen me touch the I've crossbar. Seen it. I've seen. I it. can touch the crossbar. He can still. get up in dress shoes and khaki pants if you want to see it. But no, I, I can. I've never been able to dunk. I, I look forward to seeing that. <laughs> right. Well, when we come back, we'll close the show down with some recruiting. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Uh, just the fact, you know, what we what we offer as an offense. You know, we run a pro-style offense. Uh, you know, we got good players. We got good quarterbacks. We, we got a good system. And obviously, great fans. It's a great situation football-wise. And so I think guys that didn't know about Nebraska, maybe per se, that come and take visits, I think they, they understand that and they, they feel it. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show as we close things up here uh, as we get you ready for Saturday's Illinois-Nebraska game. It's a 2.30 kick on ESPN2. That was wide receivers coach Keith Williams talking about just what Nebraska sells to recruits and why Nebraska is attractive. And, and you heard him as we bring in Nate Klaus. It's the offense. Um, so much of this football world has become no huddle, spread, and that's great. 
But if you're looking to play on Sundays, it's not great. And and he says, hey, we run a pro-style system that's physical as well, and it will get you ready for the next level. And and that really is an attractive sales pitch right now in recruiting. Well, and you have no better uh, person to point to than Keyshawn Johnson Sr., who has been saying that ever since Mike Riley got hired at Nebraska, was that you know, it was Mike Riley who prepared him to go on to, to have a successful career in the NFL for so long, and it was his system. That's why he wanted his son to play in this offensive system because – um, you know, he believed in the way that Mike Riley uh, develops guys and that believes in the, the way that Mike Riley's system develops them to go on and have success uh, at the next level. So uh, it's absolutely true. And and, uh, and Keith Williams, obviously, is, is a heck of a recruiter and can bring in and develop relationships with, uh, with some very talented wide receivers to have success in the system. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we get you geared up for the recruiting weekend, Nate. And, and- you could make a case this Illinois weekend, a 2.30 game in, in, in uh, the first Saturday in October, could rival as big of a recruiting weekend as Nebraska's had all year. Yeah, absolutely. And if you would ask me in, in July if if uh, the Illinois game would be as big as the Oregon game or as big as a Fresno State game, I would have told you no way. But it is. It's it's just as big as as those other uh, weekends. And um, you know maybe Fresno State was probably the biggest when you look at just the fact that they had a, a handful of five stars on campus with uh, Darnay Holmes as an unofficial visitor and Foster Sorrell and, and Donovan Peoples Jones. Uh, so you had three five stars there but I'll tell you what you've got Joseph Lewis who's uh, the number one wide receiver that they're after he's a five-star out of Los Angeles so it's going to be on his official visit this weekend and then you've got six other guys who are or five other guys including Lewis um, that uh, that are top 100 or top 250 recruits in the entire nation and and that are highly coveted by Nebraska so uh, from top to bottom this list of eight official visitors is uh, is really as good as what they've had all year long. Let's start off with Joseph Lewis. Uh, this will be his third trip to Lincoln since the last Saturday in June. He was here for Friday Night Lights. He was here for August and fall camp, and now he'll be here for the Illinois game. And we all know what happened when he was here in August. Uh, that That's when the DUI with Keith Williams happened. Uh, but the sole fact he is returning to Lincoln uh, very much tells you Nebraska's in the mix. You look at the state of the Pac-12. USC is a mess right now. Nebraska beat UCLA head-to-head. They beat Oregon head-to-head. Um, so they have a real strong case with a lot of kids out west for what kind of where things are at. Um, how serious are things right now with Joseph Lewis? Uh, they're very serious right now. And and I think that this weekend, uh, even though he's been to Lincoln a couple times, this weekend is, is about feeling comfortable, um, you know, kind of envisioning himself as a student athlete at Nebraska. Because when he came in June, he was it was pretty much just centered around that camp. And then when he came again in August, he saw practice and everything. But, you know, the, the campus was kind of dead because the students weren't, weren't uh, you know, school hadn't started or anything like that. So this weekend we'll give him a good feel for for how he can be comfortable and kind of acclimate coming from inner city Los Angeles to Lincoln um, and, and kind of envision himself as a student athlete and and you mentioned the the state of USC uh, Nebraska beating Oregon that those are definite factors in this whole deal here uh, as well and I think right now outside of those two programs you also have to uh, and they beat UCLA yeah UCLA as well and I don't know of how much of a player UCLA has really been with Joseph Lewis and his recruitment uh, or 
uh, Oklahoma is a, is a program, I think, outside of the West Coast, outside of that Pac-12 that you kind of have to, um, if you're a Nebraska fan, I guess that you, you kind of worry about a little bit. But they've kind of had their struggles as well. So um, anytime you get a five-star on campus three different times is a good deal. And, and Nebraska uh, and Keith Williams have a great shot at, at uh, kind of – continuing their mojo here with joseph lewis this weekend you're listening here to the husker online show as we get you geared up for saturday's recruiting weekend a total of eight official visitors two unofficial visitors that are very high profile nate class as well yeah Keyshawn johnson jr out of calabasas uh, california who's committed to nebraska he's going to be coming out uh, he's also going to be bringing uh, brendan radley hiles bookie bookie, bookie radley hiles uh who is uh, arguably the top cornerback that nebraska's after in the 2018 class he's a top 100 recruit in the country um and this will be you know the what the third time that he's been to nebraska as well since dating back to the spring game so this is another big unofficial visit especially because it seems kind of like that nebraska has slipped a little bit um in in bookie's eyes you know it seems like as of lately uh florida has been his top school he said that florida is one of his top schools here um so i think this this weekend could be big for him to kind of rekindle some of those feelings that he had coming out of the spring game and coming out of friday night lights camp you know another guy nate that really intrigues me that will be here this weekend is iowa's top commit shevin calloway a a four-star rivals top 100 cornerback um, ranked number 86 overall in the nation, uh, a Dallas kid from Bishop Dunn. Why is he visiting Nebraska at this point? And if I'm an Iowa fan, how worried should I be right now? Well, Nebraska started recruiting Callaway back last spring, but uh, they weren't on him quite as hard as they were with a couple of, or you know, a handful of other defensive backs. But what really happened is Damian Daniels, his his uh, teammate, who's a defensive tackle out of Bishop Dunn, visited for that Fresno State weekend, went back to school, and said, "Hey, you got to check out Nebraska. That place is legit. Uh, you you owe it to yourself to go check it out. I guarantee you, you're going to love it." And so that's when things really ramped up there, and and uh, now he's. Kind coming in on his visit and Kirk Ferentz at Iowa is not happy about it. He's kind of always had a policy that if you're committed to Iowa and you take another visit, then your, your scholarship's no longer honored at Iowa. Um, but at, at the same time, they haven't had a, a plethora of top 100 type, you know, commits over the last several years. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But if I'm an Iowa fan, I'm definitely worried here because I think Nebraska stands a great shot at landing Damian Daniels and he's best friend friends with Chevin Callaway who's coming up on the visit and um, I'd be I'd be nervous about that for sure you've got Jalen Johnson coming in as well a, a four-star cornerback um, out of Fresno uh, East and he is ranked number 57 right now in the rivals top 100 um, he's going to take four visits though Oklahoma Utah Arizona State Nebraska will be his first visit uh, Brian Stewart I know has probably been working this guy really hard um how do you play it here with Jalen Johnson, and, and, and what's the latest on him? Well, I tell you what, Jalen Johnson is a special talent, um, very, very, very talented cornerback that with great size, six foot uh, tall. I mean, on film, he's so long, he looks like he's probably six one or six two. 
but uh, in tremendous speed. And, and really, there's a lot of parallels between Jalen Johnson and Lamar Jackson when you look at their recruitment. Jalen Johnson in, in July put out a top seven that didn't even include Nebraska in it. And uh, Lamar Jackson did the same thing. He released a top ten over that summer, didn't even have Nebraska in it. Um, and now all of a sudden, uh, both those guys visited. Uh, Jalen Johnson's coming in this weekend, I think, and Nebraska has a great shot to, to kind of set the bar high with him. Kind of what we've seen with a lot of the official visitors so far this year is um, the Huskers will have the first crack at, at making that first impression, setting the bar very high. Uh, he's he's a highly recruited kid, so he's not going to make a decision um, right away, but uh, I'm not betting against Brian Stewart. Uh, I think that he's probably done one, more, one of the more underrated recruiting jobs so far in this class, even though they don't have a defensive back commit. They are in on so many talented players. I think it's going to just be a matter of time until uh, all those dominoes start to fall. And by the numbers as far as the officials and unofficials uh there will be um i think eight four stars and one five star on campus there might be seven four stars and one five star and then two three stars so no doubt a a big recruiting weekend nate klaus mike Matia, brian munson and the entire husker online crew will have complete coverage uh we'll have the visitor gallery posted by halftime of the game so if you're listening here uh, get on the site about halftime. Nate Klaus will have the photo gallery of all the recruits up. And then on Sunday, uh, we will have updates from every single one of those guys. So it is sure to be a busy weekend here on Husker Online. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 